Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier, in better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 and a big aloha. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here, super pumped to be with you on another episode of the Modern Medicine Movement podcast. A big aloha from Hawaii Ne. It's a beautiful day. Here in Hawaii, it's uh, November. Oh my goodness. Who knew? It's November. The sun is out. It's shining bright. 80 something degrees out there and perfect. We got our trade winds back finally to cool things off in the you know, afternoons and evenings. Oh, we were suffering with heat. And I know now it's like coming up on, you know, fall and real winter back. Uh, my mom let me know today it's actually snowing uh, where she lives uh, there in Utah, and it's just, it's incredible. It's uh, <laughs> a blanket of white, she said. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's also beautiful here right where we are in Hawaii. I hope it's beautiful wherever you are. You're probably just uh, adjusting to the seasonal change. It's getting a little cooler. I'm pumped to be able to take out, uh, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a blanket at night, maybe I <laughs> usually just a sheet because we don't we don't do AC. You know, it's just the trade wind, air conditioning, the natural wind. So I'm pumped to have the opportunity to wear a blanket at night in in bed because it's cooling off. It was like sixty something the other night. It was awesome. But anyway, just a big aloha to you. I uh, wanted to just reach out and thank everyone for listening, for taking time out of your day to listen to the show, and I hope. You find value here. I hope uh, there's something that you've enjoyed, that you've learned, that's been helpful to you and inspiring to improve your health, wellness, and life. It's just why I do this thing. I get so pumped every time I get a, a review that uh, speaks to that. I just got one this past week, and I wanted to share it with you. And we've we've had a couple, you know, we've, we've had literally thousands and thousands of downloads, but only over 100-something reviews. So please, 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 please take the extra 60 seconds. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, it's super, super easy. Just scroll to the bottom of the show where you see the five stars. Click on the one farthest to the right. And then there's a little button that looks like a piece of paper uh, with a little pencil coming out on the left just below where the reviews are. It says write a review. Click on that and go ahead. Just uh, tell me what you're loving. Tell me what you're enjoying. In fact, I wanted to share with you one from this past uh, week, Miss Diana L uh, TLC. Greetings, she says. Five stars from the great state of Alaska. And many alohas to you, my second favorite state of Hawaii. Thank you, Dr. Hemingway, for sharing so many practical and helpful tips on how we can live healthier lives. I listen every week and have been implementing many of the things you've been sharing with us. I have been eating healthy and supplementing now for several years, but there was still something missing. After listening to your podcast on insulin resistance with Dr. Bickman, 
I also read his book and was fascinated. I have been now intermittent fasting for eight weeks and I've lost five pounds. I feel great. I've been able to influence many friends, not only to listen to your podcast along with me, but to join me in intermittent fasting and healthier eating. Many people are on the path to healthier lives through your sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Diana. That just, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's why I do this. I mean, I literally, I wake up in the morning and I just think of how and what and where I can share with you guys the lessons I've learned over the last 25 years of my medical practice and, you know, nearly 30 years of learning in the biological sciences about human physiology and how our bodies work, how we can basically have them optimized so we can achieve that optimal health. And there's so many simple steps out there that are not difficult. They're not hard. You don't have to keep a notebook. You don't have to take a list and write everything down you eat and count calories. You don't have to do that. Just with a you know, few simple choices, a few simple steps, you can be on your way to just maximizing and optimizing your health, your energy, your wellness, your sleep, your mood, all of these things we touch on in the modern medicine movement. And I'm so grateful for you that are listening and for sharing. Please, if you haven't done so, subscribe, hit the subscribe button, share with your friends, because there is so much here that's of value. I'm so appreciative to get your feedback, that little note on the intermittent fasting. We did a show on that. Jeez, it's been about 20 shows ago. We're already at 30 shows coming up on a year of podcasting, and just it's been quite a journey. It's been amazing. It's something I look forward to every week. And so thank you for being on this journey. Please continue to share. Also, if you haven't heard about my new Facebook group, the Modern Medicine Movement Health and Wellness Facebook group, it's free. I pretty much, um, you know, accept everybody who, who wants to be there and learn and grow, and we grow together, and I do lives in there. I do posts. You'll have, you know, all the latest content for the podcast. You can ask me questions. It's a really cool place to also interact with your peers that are also on this wellness journey. So go ahead and subscribe to that. Subscribe to the show. Follow me on Facebook at the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast or on Instagram at Aloha Surf Doc or Modern Medicine Movement Podcast. Or you can even look me up at modernmedicinemovement.com. Or you can email me. I'm pretty old school. Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail. So feel free to reach out. I Take pride in trying to get back to all of your questions on email there, and I'm grateful to be on this journey with you. And today is a super, super cool show. It's actually something I've been wanting to do for quite a while. I was kind of hoping to have the guy who led this whole movement. Uh, geez, it's been almost 20 years since he started his journey in this uh, in discovering like what is sort of the secret, if there were, right? Or what are the pillars of a good, long, healthy life. And this guy went out and studied, you know, all the biggest pockets of centenarians, you know, people that regularly achieve 100 years old or more. And he found five different places across the world where there was a pretty good, you know, proportion of people that were living long and not just, you know, breathing and having a pulse, but they were living, they were thriving, they were an important part of their society. They were contributing. 
They had a purpose. They had connection. They were continually giving and living not only long, but very, very full lives. And so I think all of us want to achieve that. That's kind of why I podcast. It's the sort of optimal health of the body, the mind, the soul, the spirit, the purpose. All of these come together and... This guy studied this for the last 20 years, and he took a very, very, very special journey for about five years. He was studying these populations in the five uh, most concentrated uh, locations of groups of people reaching 100 years old. You probably heard of his delineation. He calls these the blue zones. It's uh, none other than Dan Buettner, who's a cool dude, and I was kind of hoping to get him on the show, and maybe I will sometime in the future. I'm starting to reach out to more and more people because I think it's kind of cool to, you know, get it first and foremost from them. I'm going to be reviewing a lot of his work here and just sharing some of these special and not challenging, not hard, not difficult concepts that can help us to not only live long and prosper, Remember that? Live long and prosper. (laughs) That was from one of my favorite shows of like 30 years ago. Who knows the name of that show? Think about it. Live long and prosper and do the little hand signal if you remember it. That's none other than our friend Spock, right? (laughs) Oh, man, I grew up with Star Trek and have many fond memories. I can still make the live long and prosper V with my hand there. So, so we're going to learn about, there were nine basic concepts that came up over and over and over again that were sort of the, the parallels. They were the foundations for these long, healthy, and full lives that Dan Buettner and his um, colleagues on his expeditions with National Geographic and his team of anthropologists, demographers, scientists, they... They literally spent, you know, a decade studying these people in these five locations of the world. And, and sadly, right here at home in the good old U.S. of A., our life expectancy in recent years has not been increasing like it always has. It's actually been decreasing, which is super, 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 super sad. And I'm sure this year was no exception with all of the... Uh, pandemics effects and people turning to the comfort foods and and not so healthy processed foods and things that really are just uh, mediators for inflammation and just are not good for our health, not good for our insulin resistance. Like we talked about with Dr. Bickman a few shows ago, that's literally the root of the majority of illnesses that not only cause significant morbidity, or bad, you know, kind of health consequences, but also mortality, the most common causes of death, cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, all these things, chronic illnesses have at the root insulin resistance, which 88% of us have. And so these people in these five <laughs> locations all across the world, they don't have hardly any, if any, insulin resistance at all. And they are living to 100 or more, but they are alive and well. They're still social. They're still interacting and living a full life. I tell my kids all the time, maybe even daily, they're probably bored of it, but I tell them, I am going to be the first surfer to continue to surf 
and literally surf daily at 100 years old. Like, that's my goal. <laughs> to live to be 100 plus, but active and thriving and surfing and sharing and spending time with my family. And, and I'm going to do that. That's one of my purposes, to just live out a full and healthy life to primarily be with my family. And that's, you know, even before I knew all the so-called secrets of these different five uh, groups of the Blue Zones is... Uh, they have been dubbed, which is kind of a funny backstory, right? It's like, what the heck are blue zones? Well, I wish it was a more colorful, you know, fascinating story. But, I mean, when you hear Dan's story about it, literally they were, you know, studying populations across the world. And when they found a high concentration of centenarians, they focused and focused, and then they would try to, you know, go deeper. And they took a Sharpie which was blue in color, like legit, a blue Sharpie, and they would circle these populations. And as they honed in, they would get a smaller and smaller circle to the point where they found individual communities, which I'll talk about in these various locations throughout the world, circled with none other but a blue Sharpie, hence the name Blue Zone was derived. Like, that's it. That's legit the backstory uh, from Dan Butner himself, <laughs> why they call them the Blue Zones. But it's just, it's fascinating because the commonalities between these groups of people who are obviously genetically different in certain ways, right? I mean, we as humans are 99% the same genetically, but these were unrelated humans in unrelated, you know, geographic regions throughout the world, very different, different locations. But yet the nine things that were most common among them were shared, which was pretty cool. And it took lots of data mining and lots and lots of research and study to come come up with these things that were the most common. And we'll talk about all nine of them. And, and what I want to uh, remind us at the outset is that we literally are in control of our future, our health, our lives, even our life expectancy to a certain degree with respect to what we choose to do with our health. Now, of course, there are things that will happen. You know, the old saying that when it's your time, it's your time, you know, that I think sometimes that definitely plays in and the higher power that knows us all much better than we know ourselves you know, will play into all of this. But in large part, on a day-to-day and year-to-year, month-to-month basis, we get to determine our health through our choices. And it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because as they say, with great uh, uh, power comes great responsibility. And we have that power given to us to choose. That is our choice. And if we choose the habits that help maintain and keep us healthy, we will no doubt become more like these centenarians. And uh, because it's not just, you know, our genes, right? We know the famous Danish twin study of many years ago that established this, looking at genetic, genetically identical twins, and they found that life expectancy and overall health, like legit, only was about 20%. Um, based upon their genes, only about 20%. So 80% of it is us, is what we decide through our choices, through how we live our lives. 
And yes, it's a blessing because we get to choose that. We get to determine that. And it lies in our hands. The proverbial ball is in our court, and that's what we're going to get down to. So without further ado, let's talk about these five Blue Zone regions. And they are all super cool regions. I've been to a couple of them. I, I hope to go to all of them one day because they are fascinating, the uh, um, Barbasia region of the island of Sardinia. Sardinia is the second largest island there in the Mediterranean. Sicily, I believe, is the largest. And then Sardinia, the second largest. It's an uh, Italian island. It's mountainous highlands um, where they actually have the world's highest concentration of male centenarians. And it's pretty interesting. It's very unique because this population has the longest living men in the whole world and one of the primordial um, things that they share is daily activity and movement because they live in a place where they basically have to walk to do anything and everything. They walk significant distances through hills. They're basically hiking up and down. You know, if they got to go to market, they got to hike. If they got to go to the fields, they got to hike. It's sort of a mountainous type area. If they want to, you know, get fish, they got to go hike to the market and get them from the guys that uh, come up from the seas because if they want to go down to the sea and fish, it's more than a day's journey. So it's a lot of walking and it's a lot of movement. Their diets, you know, are primarily natural whole foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of beans. And guess what? These guys actually eat bread. Bread in and of itself is not the devil, but the type of bread that they eat is fascinating. They eat sourdough bread where literally the starter has been in their family for generations, sometimes several hundred years. Like, holy moly, using a starter that's literally been kept by their ancestors, passed down from one generation to the next and making fresh sourdough bread. And they literally eat it every single day of their lives. And they live to be 100 so, you know, all those people out there that say you can't eat bread, nonsense. You shouldn't be eating a lot of bread, and you certainly shouldn't be eating all the processed bread that's got 50 different ingredients, but these guys have probably two or three ingredients on their bread list, and it's homemade. It's made from a sourdough starter that's been in their family for generations, and they literally eat it for lunch every single day of their lives. You know what they eat? It's pretty cool. It's food that I love. They have basically a minestrone soup for lunch every single day, well, you know, almost every day, and sourdough bread, fresh baked bread from a starter that's been in their family for generations. Isn't that cool? Oh, my gosh, super cool people. I have not been there um, yet to that island, but I want to go there so badly because it interests me so much. It sounds beautiful. Italy is one of my favorite places to travel to because the community that exists there, the relationships, the way that people treat one another, the natural movement. I mean, these guys, I've talked about this before on the show, but literally just taking a walk after a meal is going to be so health-promoting for us, that movement. And these guys do that. Not only do they walk all day long, but after they eat, it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> My wife kind of cracks up because you see these elderly men and they walk with their hands in their back pocket. It's just, it's kind of a real classic, you know, old, um, I don't know, gentlemanly thing that they do in Italy. And it's really cute. You see these old guys walking and they're talking and, 
and you know they're just enjoying the company that they're in. They just prioritize this, you know, relationship that they share with family and friends, and they literally live to be 100 with a pretty regular frequency. So that's one of the locations. Ikaria, Greece, is another. It's a small Greek island as well, and it's in the Aegean Sea. Um, and most of the older people there also enjoy a very healthy whole foods diet, lots of plant-based fruits and vegetables. They also eat meat, um, but primarily they eat just whole real food, like nothing processed. Like they've never even had, you know, things like canola oil or Wesson oil, seed oil, shortening, you know, none of these things. They don't have any of the PUFAs in their diet, just real whole whole natural food. And they do use oils, but they use the most naturally pressed super, super ultra virgin olive oil. And that's how they make their, you know, dressings, balsamic vinegar, olive oil. That's it. Two ingredients. That's all these guys use, you know, in Italy, etc. And these Greeks, uh, lots of olive oil and, and they don't smoke. Generally speaking, they, they take naps, they socialize. Um, they're physically active is one of their key ingredients well into their eighties and nineties. And it's, it's just phenomenal how they are in their 90s or maybe 100, and they are yet living a full life. They are active. They go on walks daily. They're in family gatherings. They're, it's just incredible. Okinawa, Japan, another similar area where you have the largest quantity of uh, women that live well into their 100-plus years of life and um, they typically like without question all live well beyond their 80s and they almost have no you know debilitating chronic illnesses you know all those ones that affect us heart disease cancer stroke diabetes you know these kind of things obesity like have you ever seen a fat okinawan living in okinawa i have a, a buddy that spent several years over there and the okinawans that he knew every one of them slender Fit. You know, these guys don't have heart disease as long as they stay on their traditional diet, which basically doesn't have any of these processed and seed oils and things like that. Super, super healthy group of people, Okinawa, Japan. Also the Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica. Another one, another one of my favorite places. I love Costa Rica. I've been there a couple of times. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. The people, just beautiful people. The food is amazing. You know, the whole philosophy there is pura vida, which means like the pure life, pura vida, they say, as a greeting to one another. And these Nicoyans uh, on the Nicoyan Peninsula there in Costa Rica are at least twice as likely to reach the age of 90 than us, <laughs> at least two times as likely in North America. And they also have been known to maintain a very active lifestyle. They emphasize their faith, their family, their diet is lots of rice and beans, lots of beef, lots of fish, chicken, and basically minimal to no intake of any processed or refined foods. Are you guys are you guys hearing a theme? <laughs> I'm going to summarize all this at the end. Don't 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 worry. I'll put it in the show notes the nine pillars. But research has shown that these Nicoyans um, basically have almost no cardiovascular uh, disease. They don't die of heart attacks. You know, they are slender. They have good levels of you know, all of the cholesterol markers, triglycerides, fasting, glucose, insulin levels, blood pressure, all of that. And they have almost no cognitive decline, which is incredible. Like dementia, that is becoming 
maybe one of the fourth most common causes of death in the North American region, is almost non-existent in many of these places across the world because primarily of their lifestyle choices and their diet. They're eating essentially no processed foods, no vegetable oils, no refined sugars and wheat flours and things. And it's a super whole, health, healthy, wholesome diet. So some common themes. Loma Linda, California. <laughs> I did my, um, my uh, training in emergency medicine in California. And one of the hospitals, not far, I was at UCLA, but I had friends that trained at the Loma Linda Medical Center. One of my good friends lived there in Loma Linda, and they have you know, a very strong Adventist population, which primarily is vegetarian, um, primarily, and uh, they don't smoke, they don't drink, um, you know, pretty clean life, and they tend to live on average 10 years or more longer than the average U.S. You know, citizen otherwise. So 10 years longer, and it's basically a lifestyle choice. Their diet, you know, their lack of drinking, alcohol, smoking, you know, these kinds of things, they just tend to be very, very healthy compared to the guys living a few miles away. You know, they live 10 years longer. <laughs> Holy moly. So those are the five places across the world that uh, were originally described as the blue zones, right? The blue zones by uh, our friend and National Geographic uh, journalist um, who originally described this. And it's... Uh, it's super cool. You know, he wrote a book about it as well. I'll put it in the show notes, but really a cool, cool uh, bunch of data he put together um, with uh, many researchers he brought with him. And they came down to the basically um, nine things that these five locations of people that are routinely getting into their 90s and 100 plus years of age in a healthy and full life with almost no dementia. And these nine things... Start with none other than my favorite vitamin, vitamin M, <laughs> right? You know what that is? Movement, M for movement. And every one of these locations had daily physical activities. It wasn't going to the gym. I doubt they had a 24-hour fitness or Gold's Gym or any of these others, but they had incorporated into their lifestyle activities like gardening, going for walks, as mentioned, after meals, walking up hills and mountains for many of those that are in mountainous regions. Very traditional lifestyle. They were doing most of their gardening by hand. You know, they weren't using backhoes and, and other modern mechanical, you know, aids. They were, they were doing things basically the old-fashioned way with their hands. They were getting dirty. They were getting their microbiomes healthy by spending their days outdoors, you know. So for this physical activity, no big surprise, is very helpful and even protective against lots of chronic illnesses like heart disease, stroke, diabetes, insulin resistance, and of course it also helps with the mental health or psychological or brain health of the individual because it is so good to move. I did a whole podcast on the joy of movement, the magic of movement, how the endorphins, the enkelflins, the endocannabinoids, our natural THC, if you will, all of these healthy, happy hormones get released with natural movement. So these groups of people, you know, in all five locations, they're, they're not running to marathons, they're not going to the gym, they're not pumping iron, but they are constantly moving throughout the day, constantly moving throughout the day. And this has served them well. So I think this 
you know, my wife has this whole movement, <laughs> for lack of a better description, called the Six for Six movement. If you haven't found that, uh, I think she's even got a page dedicated to that now. Six for Six, she's got a whole end of year 60 um, days uh, program that you guys are welcome to join in on. I'm going to be um, jumping in there once a week and doing some health stuff as well. But look her up, Six for Six, uh, Brooke Hemingway or Hemingway half dozen on Instagram. I think her Instagram handle for this group is six for six and it's centered around movement, daily movement, um, as well as other healthy activities, both physical, mental, psychological, you know, just purpose driven activities, six for six. So that's leads us right in. I wasn't even trying, but this leads us right into the second pillar. So after movement was the sense of purpose, they found that um, these groups of people were basically um, all they shared in common this uh, sense of belonging or the sense of purpose. And in Okinawa or in Japanese, they call it the I, Ikigai, I believe, if I'm not butchering that, the Ikigai, and that's sort of their overall underlying purpose. You know, the reason why you wake up in the morning, what you're getting excited about. In the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, they say the plan de vida, the plan of life, or why I just get myself out of bed each and every day. And this purpose contributes to the longevity, health, and well-being. And this has been shown over and over again that individuals with purpose are are goal-driven, they have life with intention, and they live their life for experiences, for personal growth, for development, for sharing, and whether this be your hobby, a career that's fulfilling for you, or caring for loved ones, whatever it may be, this sense of purpose will not only guide you and get you up every day of your lives, but it will give you a clear increased life expectancy. They say up to seven to 10 years of life just through having this sense of purpose, this ikigai, as the Okinawans say, or the plan de vida, what just gets you excited. And right now for me, what gets me excited is sharing with you these health and wellness benefits I've gleaned over the last 30 years and and continuing to study and research and and learn more of them because it just... It literally excites me. I love physiology. I love the human body. I love people and sharing with people this ability, you know, to disseminate these things I've gleaned and learned in pearls, like what these Okinawans have referred to as the ikigai, this purpose, this gets me out of bed in the morning. And it's clear that this improves not only your life expectancy, but also your happiness level, your self-esteem your sense of gratitude, your outlook on life, these are all enhanced with this ikigai or sense of purpose. And it's obviously because I'm including in the show, it's it's uh, reducing the risk of all-cause mortality or increasing your life expecting. So this purpose, this ikigai, the plan de vida, just if you don't know what that is, you know, take some time, you know, to think about it. You know, every each and every day for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, um, take a moment to reflect a little intentional, you can call it uh, mindfulness, you can call it 
meditation, you can call it yoga, you know, call it whatever you will, personal time. I, I find that for me, it works best to do this out in nature. I love to be in nature when I do this, and my mind is free. I can think, I can feel, I can plan. I just, it's uh, just a twofold, you know, for me, it's uh, <laughs> vitamin M and vitamin N, right? MN, the movement and the nature. And the purpose comes right with that. The third thing also goes right along with that is the ability to manage stress or to kind of take a deep breath, just pause, reflect, you know, the way that we work through stressors. You know, these guys in these seven areas of the world, or excuse me, five areas of the world called the blue zones, they have stress too. You know, they have to worry about what they're going to eat every day, how their families are doing. You know, they got lots of family to worry about. They may have three or four generations of family to worry about. So what we do know, and we each and every day are learning more, which is very fascinating, and I may podcast a whole episode on this, is the relationship between stress and anxiety on inflammation because they wreak havoc on our not only our immune system but just our total body wellness by increasing inflammation the inflammatory mediators the cytokines these markers of inflammation go up with stress they go up with anxiety they go up with depression and all these things can contribute to other illnesses like heart disease and what we found is that these longest, you know, living groups of people throughout the world, everywhere from Okinawa to Nicoya to Sardinia to um, Greece, you know, to the Loma Linda folks, all of these people have stress management techniques. They can be ways of meditation. Some of them take a daily nap. Many of them pray or reflect or meditate. They have time every single day where they spend with family and friends. Often it's around meals. And these manners of managing their stress and just taking a pause have been proven to not only increase the length of their life, but increase the happiness level, the fulfillment, that purpose-driven life. Um, another thing they do um, in their... In their work, uh, Dan Butner's work, he calls it the 80% rule. And it kind of spills over and, and really uh, correlates with what I have talked about for quite some time about intermittent fasting is that basically they have this, in Okinawan uh, tradition, they have what they call the Hara Hachibu, which is a 25-year, 2,500-year Confucian mantra that basically they say it, they re reflect upon it, and it reminds them to stop eating, not when they're full, but before they are full. In fact, when they are about 80% full. And so this you know, additional 20% gap of not being hungry, for them, it's the difference between you know, gaining weight or losing it or staying the same. In other words, they don't eat to satiety. You know, They don't. They don't eat to satiety. And in my previous, you know, life. <laughs> I always ate to satiety. I think that's just the way I was raised. You just fill your plate. And if there's more food on the counter, you finish it. You know, that was just kind of how I was raised. And now I eat and, and then I enjoy and then I pause. I don't, I don't eat to satiety. And I typically only eat 
eight hours out of the day. And that's kind of how the Okinawans do it. They do it a little bit opposite of the way that I do it. I, I like to start my eight hour window, you know, at 11 or 12 noon and eat till seven or eight at night. And then I have 16 hours in between. That's how I roll, you know, probably five to six days a week. I like to have that, that, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, set up where I have a window of about eight hours where I eat. And the Okinawans do similarly, but they do breakfast and lunch. And for the most part, they don't eat dinner. Um, and it works fine because they have about 16 hours where they don't eat. And they don't call it intermittent fasting. <laughs> they call it the harahachibu, which is their 80% rule. Um, but this is shared with other groups of people throughout the Blue Zones where they also are not, you know, eating to satiety. They're not you know, snacking at night. They don't do midnight snacks. None of these cultures do midnight snacks. They all have a big window where they're not eating. And this allows their bodies to rejuvenate, not only their digestive, but their whole body processes to rest and rejuvenate and regenerate, you know, and that's what those 16 hours are for. And I I do it five to six days a week. And it's been so helpful for me, for my energy levels it's been amazing to reduce inflammation. Um, I basically have no insulin resistance. I got my fasting insulin level checked. It was less than two. That's pretty dang good. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Less than two was mine. And, and I attribute it to this kind of mindful eating um, pattern where I do about an eight-hour window, eight to 10-hour window of eating and the rest of the time, 14, 16 hours where I don't. And I let my body rejuvenate. The next uh, common thread shared between all these folks is just a natural whole foods diet. And this <laughs> should, should go with no surprise, but, but for us in the U.S. and other you know, very um, developed cultures where we unfortunately have so many choices when we go to the grocery store, all of these packaged things, um, these folks essentially eat no packaged foods. <laughs> they basically eat natural, whole, real food, which is a huge you know, recommendation I always have for people, especially when they go and they look at their pantry and they got to do a pantry clean out. I mean, most of the stuff we have in there is way too processed and not good for us. And it contributes to inflammation. It contributes to insulin resistance. And these guys are not eating that way. They eat primarily natural whole foods. They eat beans, they eat lentils, they eat um, meat as well. They eat pork, they eat beef, they eat chicken, they eat fish, but they, they're not eating huge proportions of these. They're eating smaller portions, but everything is well-sourced. If they're eating pork, it's because they raised it, and they're celebrating, and they're killing a pork and having a big feast, and they may gorge out on pork for a few days, but then they're not eating it uh, you know, for many days after that. They, they eat sparingly, but uh, in moderation, and from sources that they know because they grow their own plants. Um, you know, vegetables, fruits, and meats. They they care for their own. So they know where it's coming from. It's well-sourced, you know, the whole grass-fed, grass-finished. That's the way they do it. And it makes a difference because they're not walking around with chronic diseases like diabetes and insulin resistance and, and you know, all of these things that we're subject to. And many of them live in the Mediterranean and, and certainly eat somewhat of a Mediterranean diet which is primarily based in fruits and vegetables, you know, nuts, seeds, healthy oils like extra virgin olive oil, right? They're not using the PUFAs. They're not using canola. They're not using sunflower, safflower, 
Wesson vegetable oil, <laughs> like none of that stuff. They don't use that. They don't use, use shortening. They don't use any of those things. They use real ingredients, extra virgin pressed, not processed, pressed olive oil. They're using animal fats and lard to cook in, you know, just simple, real foods. And they eat plenty of fats in their diet. They're eating cheeses. They're eating meats. But yet they have a much lower risk of heart disease and lower risk of dementia. And yet their cholesterol levels are elevated because of the fats in their diet. But they have less cognitive decline. Remember that podcast I did on cholesterol? It talked about the importance of cholesterol in our diet. They also have less depression because they eat real whole foods. Another thing they do is they take time to be together, to belong, to act you know, socially together. They literally have daily family gatherings where they eat together as a family. And I just loved reading about this. All of these different cultures had this in common where they would have a big family meal and stay connected socially well into old age. Their elders, you know, their 80, 90, 100 plus year olds were respected. They weren't put in care homes. You know, here, when I see a 90 or 100 year old, it's almost always one that's in a long-term care facility. And it, it actually really breaks my heart, you know, to see them this way because they typically are alone and they're not with family. It's the exact opposite of how these cultures in the blue zones have done it, where they've made their elders super important in their social structure. And they share with, with the many generations. They and because of this, they have almost no cognitive decline, you know, compared to others who are socially isolated. This is huge, this social well-being, this belonging, this connectedness. It's so, 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 so important. And it leads right into the next aspect, which is sort of this right tribe or the not only the social network, but it's the behaviors that they do together um, with their smaller groups, either their familial groups or three to five friends. The Okinawans call it the mo- mois. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they're a group of about five friends that literally they're committed their whole lives to each other. You know, we've all heard that uh, a piece of data that says you are going to be most like the three to five people that you spend the most time with. And so choose your friends wisely. Choose those that uplift, that elevate people that are going places where you want to go and you will be better for it. You will also grow. You will also have this connectedness, this right tribe, so to speak. In the U.S., the Framingham study showed that that the opposite of that is true. If you're not spending time with people that are doing good, positive things and you spend time with people that are smoking or people that are overweight or people that are unhappy— Guess what? Those things are also contagious. So these negative social behaviors are contagious. So choose wisely your friends. And this was reminded to me last night as I worked. There was a patient I saw that was struggling with alcoholism. And one of the things that was said to me over and over is, I got to get away from this group of people because all they want to do is drink every day. And so when I'm around them, I'm going to be drinking every day and I don't want to drink every day. I'm an alcoholic and I can't be drinking every day. And so this person realized that the people that you you know spend time with will help shape your behaviors, whether you like it or not. So choose wisely 
your friends and those that you choose to spend time with. And sometimes this is difficult because maybe even our own personal family members sometimes are not good for us. And we may have to make a choice uh, of how much time we spend with them if they're not taking us places where we want to go. So conversely, as mentioned, healthy habits as well can be contagious. Negative habits are, <laughs> habits are contagious, but healthy habits are contagious as well. And those that are in circles with people that are doing healthy behaviors, like say you have a group of girls or guys that go to the gym together, go to your um, Orange Theory together, or your gym class, or your workout together, or your walks together, or guys, you know, guys that you go surf with, or bike with, or or whatever. These are positive interactions, and they're contagious too. And, and I'll share myself and my personal experience that they're a lot of fun. Like if I'm surfing with my boys lately, it's been my three oldest boys, and it's just a joy to see them just enjoying the activity, enjoying the camaraderie, you know, being together as a family, you know, while we're waiting for a wave, we'll just chit chat and we'll socialize. And, you know, if we're not out far enough and we get cleaned up by a big wave that smashes us and just crushes us down to the reef, you know, we'll come up, I'll look around, make sure everybody's okay. And then we'll all literally start laughing. Like, (laughs) you know, our joke is, you know, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're not going to drown out there nine times out of 10, right? Did you die? I mean, sometimes we do things that are a little bit uncomfortable, but for the most part, as as long as we're not being silly and and really getting into things we shouldn't, but you know, you got to push yourselves a little bit. And if you have a group of friends that are going places that are, that are positively, you know, affecting you, like, that's awesome. That's going to help that's going to increase the likelihood that you'll move in that positive direction. And then the next item that goes right along with this is family. Family is first in these communities. I mean, family is the top priority. They put their loved ones first. And it's super common to have multi-generational families, which, you know, the kids know their parents. They know their grandparents. Oftentimes they know their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, and they all contribute Family is literally first, and it's, it's awesome. You know, the aging parents, grandparents, great-grandparents usually live with them in the same home, and they live together. They socialize together. You know, just, just this environment helps their children, you know, be more likely to, when they're adults, that they'll care for, you know, their parents and things if they see that their grandparents, great-grandparents are being cared for. Um, the last thing, and I'll not spend too much time on this, that was mentioned is many of these cultures did um, have a real social time in the evenings, usually where they would have a glass of wine. You know, um, Sardinians particularly like this uh, Cananao wine, and I, I don't drink it all, so I don't know anything about these wines, but they would tend to have a glass with their family members or friends in the evenings. And same with the folks in Greece and, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists don't drink alcohol, so they didn't have this, uh, but they would have time where they would socialize together. It just wouldn't involve having a glass of wine. So, so these things were shared with all these people and primarily it involved movement, healthy diet, and then healthy social circles and social networks and activities where the elders were included, they were respected. And this was not unique. These things were common in all these five places that Dan Buettner described as the blue zones. And 
And it was just part and parcel to living not only long and prospering, like Spock said, but this was a full life, a connected life, and having this social connection and having this spirituality. They all had some form of spirituality, and I didn't really go into this. I kind of like blurred it with the with the family first and the social connections. But the other part that was mentioned is they all had some kind of spiritual focus where either they attended a meeting like the Adventists do once a week on a um, with their uh, religious group or it could be respecting and honoring their elders as often in the um, Japanese community. And this kind of spiritual, let's call it, spiritual sense um, and purpose in their lives was also super important with the fullness that they lived their lives and with being the healthiest they could be. So beautiful, beautiful stuff, guys. I hope that you've had or will have the opportunity to meet somebody who's been well into their 90s or maybe even 100 years old, who is sharp, who is active, and take the time to ask them what has kept them going. And And I, I, I have done this over the years, and I just love to be able to connect with people in all, all places in their life, and I have this opportunity in my work. And whenever I do see somebody that's sharp and with it and can communicate these things well into their 90s and even 100 plus, I ask them these questions. And and I'll be honest, they share similar, similar things. You know, unprompted, they tell me about their families. They tell me about their purpose. They tell me about their connectedness. And that's how they keep going. Like, what gets them up out of bed? They love to garden. I can't tell you how many people I see in their 90s that may come into the ER because they fell gardening because they were literally working eight hours in the garden. Like, I can't make this stuff up. I mean, it is legit. And I just... I am so grateful to participate in this, in this beautiful thing that we call humanity. It's just incredible. And just being able to see all these different groups of people and, and Dan Butner's work here on the Blue Zones, it's such fascinating stuff. There's so much more there. I'll, I'll summarize it with the nine shared techniques and pearls and and, you know, models that they've shown throughout these five Blue Zone communities that he studied so well in the show notes. And I just encourage you to pay attention to these things in your own life because guess what? They are all largely in your control. You can do this. You can change this. You can live long and prosper, as Spock says. You can be happy and healthy And these things go together, and it's a beautiful thing. So get out there, get your vitamin M, get your vitamin D, get your vitamin N, get your vitamin F, your family. Get it all going and have a beautiful life and share with your family, friends, and those that you spend time with. If you've learned anything here, if you've liked anything, if it's been helpful for you, give me a shout out, click the share button share the podcast give me a review i so much appreciate it guys you guys are a good part of the reason i get out of bed every single day and i just look forward to you to sharing to those messages i get it's beautiful and it keeps me going so until next time a big mahalo from hawaii and aloha